in this episode, I want to talk about how important it is for you to intentionally choose your next boss. A lot of people spend a ton of time thinking about the role and the employer and looking at companies with very little thought to who their manager will be. But the truth is your manager will have a significant impact on your success, your health, and your well-being. This is Invincible Career, and I'm Larry Cornett. Did you know that a bad boss and a toxic work environment might be worse for your health than smoking, <laughs> or at least secondhand smoke? I mean, people, we joke around a lot about how much we hate our jobs and how much we hate our bosses. I mean, that's often a topic of conversation, and it's, it's a lot of joking, supposedly. But the stress from a bad boss in a toxic work environment is apparently no laughing matter. Researchers from Harvard and Stanford conducted a meta-analysis. They looked at 200 studies, the results and the data from 200 studies, and they were trying to understand the effects of stress in the workplace. And here were a couple of their findings. One, worrying about losing your job makes you 50% more likely to experience poor health. And so that's worrying about layoff or worrying about getting fired. The second, having an overly demanding job makes you 35% more likely to have a physician-diagnosed illness. So a real significant health issue because you have a stressful job. And being part of Silicon Valley, I've often seen that people get caught up with pursuing the prestigious employers. I hear it all the time and I've worked with, with a number of clients who said they absolutely want to land a job at one of the FANG companies. You know, it's like Facebook and Apple, uh, Netflix, Google, you name it. Kind of the big top tech companies. And why? Why do they want this? Well, if you ask, it's just because they are a FANG company. You know, good money, but they also think it will look greater in the resumes. People also get hung up on job titles. They think that they're willing to put up with tons of stress, unhappiness. It's all worth it as long as they land a big promotion and get that title. Finally, people do chase money. Not everyone, but a decent number of people do. And they're willing to sacrifice their personal lives, their personal relationships, and their health as long as they can get significant compensation. And I say people, but I used to be one of those people. <laughs> you know, I wanted a job at one of the big tech companies. You know, I, I did work at Apple. I landed a job at Apple. And then later in my career, I interviewed with Google and received a job offer. So I was chasing the fangs before they were called fangs. I aggressively climbed the career ladder. I was pursuing that executive job title. You know, I had to become a VP when I was at Yahoo. And I did think that making more money would make my life better. You know, and there is some truth to money being useful. 
but it's on a continuum, right? If you don't have enough money, if you're struggling to make ends meet, yeah, it's stressful. You're not going to be very happy. But when you make way too much money, <laughs> it causes a whole new set of problems. And if you chase money to, and give up other things that are more important, it causes a lot of problems. You know, no job title and no amount of money can make you feel better about working for a bad manager in a toxic work environment. Eventually, the stress and the anxiety, it catches up with you. It's just not worth it. There's some research by Clarine Jacobs that was published in a journal article called Ineffective Leader-Induced Occupational Stress. So this is linked in the newsletter. If you go to newsletter invinciblecareer.com. This is issue 305. Don't let a job kill you. <laughs> um, so here are some of the findings. Nearly 70% of employees rated work as a significant source of stress. Almost 75% of workers rated their leader, their boss, as the most significant source of stress. I think we've all seen that. Roughly 80% of workers experienced stress-related physical symptoms, and that's fatigue and exhaustion, irritability, anger, loss of interest and motivation, loss of energy, headaches, stomach issues. 51% of workers reported decreased productivity because of stress. And more than 75% of employees believe that they are under more occupational stress than previous generations, which is probably true. I remember the days before mobile phones and social media and email. So when you were done with work, you were done. <laughs> it depended on your job, but most of us were done with work at quitting time. We didn't have bosses sending us messages and texting us all night long. So I know that's a lot of unpleasant statistics. I think you get the picture. And I'm sure you've experienced some of this, at least with one of your past jobs, maybe more than one, and at least with one of your past bosses, maybe your current boss. And, you know, some stress is inevitable. You can't have a job with zero stress. At least I don't think so. And some level of stress, friction, uncomfortableness, it helps you adapt and grow. It's hard to get better at what you do if everything's super easy and you don't have to work very hard to get better. However, high levels of sustained stress, it's, it's awful for you. And if you're already dealing with other issues, so you've already got issues with your health or you're struggling with some personal relationships, the added stress of work can push you beyond the limit of what you can manage. You break down. So how can you ensure that you'll be working for a good boss when you make your next career move? Well, first thing is you got to choose your boss. <laughs> and a lot of people don't think they can. And I don't think I did in the early days of my career and when I used to work. It was like my boss was whoever it was. But as I was making career moves later during my career in Silicon Valley, 
I knew and that I probably should think about who I'm going to be working for and that I should choose. It should be somebody I know, or at least somebody I know a lot about, so I know what I'm getting into. And people tend to focus a lot on choosing their next employer, you know, the company, the job, of course. They'll say things like, I want to be a senior designer, you know, either at Google or Facebook. That's it. That's all I want. And then they just accept that their manager is going to be whoever it will be. And that's not good. You should spend just as much time seeking and selecting your next manager as you do researching the companies and the jobs. Looking at who will I be working for? I've learned that a great manager at a mediocre company will do more for your career than a terrible boss at a great company. Who your boss is will significantly impact your work satisfaction, your success, and your career progress. It doesn't matter how great the company is if your manager is terrible. Your self-confidence, your health, your career growth, it can all be ruined by a boss who tears you down, who doesn't support you, and maybe even blackballs you for the rest of your career. I've seen it happen. I wish that it didn't, but I've seen it happen. Where a vindictive boss will give really negative feedback when people call to ask about a past employee. And this person's left wondering, like, why am I struggling to get interviews? Why does nobody want to talk to me? And then they do a little digging around. There are actually services that can help you with this. And I linked that in the newsletter. You can also talk with people who are making the calls. You can do a little bit of poking around and find out. It's like, wow, they're really tearing me down. <laughs> no wonder I can't get an interview. They're saying terrible things about me. I mean, one of the riskiest moves you can make is to accept a job offer with a company where you have no idea who your manager will be. And I've seen that happen with Google. I've seen it happen with Facebook because of the way their interview process works. Managers don't get to interview and select their employees, which I find to be bizarre. They say it creates kind of a level playing field and you don't have bias. I wouldn't want to be a manager who can't decide who I'm hiring for my team. I wouldn't want to be an employee who doesn't know who I'm going to be working for. It's risky. You get hired by a great company, great salary, and then you find out you're working for a jerk. It's even riskier to accept a job offer when you already know that your manager is going to be a problem. You already know. You saw it during the interview, you heard bad things, and you said, well, it's a great company. It's a great offer. It's a lot of money. I'm going to go ahead and just try to make it work. But is it worth it if that bad boss holds you down, doesn't promote you? You don't get ahead or even worse, kind of blackballs you for the rest of your career. Was it worth it? Sometimes everyone will agree that someone is a bad boss. I mean, the writing's on the wall. Everyone talks about it. However, sometimes a boss, it's just fine for someone. Maybe someone's a good boss for a certain type of person. 
but their leadership style and their communication style, it just doesn't work for you. So it's not that they're bad. They're just not right for you. But it's still important to know. That's why it's so important to ask the right questions, do your research, and uncover any red flags before you accept that offer, before you join the company. And one thing, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for you to talk with past employees, people who have worked for who your potential manager is going to be, people who know them. That will often be your best source of reliable information and really honest answers because they have, they don't have as much to lose. They're not going to get fired. They don't work for this person anymore. Sometimes current employees are just afraid to tell you the truth. They're afraid to say anything negative about their boss. They're afraid it's going to come back to bite them. So you won't get a straight answer from somebody that's working at the company right now. I've always talked with past employees and found out what was it like to work for that boss? What is the company like? So some of the questions you can ask a past employee, you know, set up a, a coffee chat over Zoom. If we're ever back to meeting a person, you could buy somebody coffee or have lunch and ask some of these questions. For example, does the manager have a good reputation within the company? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Do they have healthy relationships within the company? Do people like working with them? Do they have juice? Do they have political clout? What kind of people work best with this manager? And who doesn't seem to be a good fit? Sometimes they're just not a good personality fit. A good, you just don't click with that manager. It's good to know. Does the manager invest in the team? Do they invest in the people? Do they try to grow them and promote them or do they always hire from the outside? How do they make decisions? Is it data-driven? Is it consensus-driven? Do they talk with the employees or do they just act like a dictator and say, this is the way it's going to be? What happens when they get upset? I recently talked with somebody a few months ago that literally had a, an executive throw a laptop across the table at her. I mean, can you believe that? <laughs> that's, that's terrible. That's not a good person. <laughs> so how does this manager behave when they get upset? An important question, would they work for them again? Why or why not? And somewhat related, would you recommend that a friend work for this manager? Why or why not? It's a pretty good indicator. If someone said, yeah, I'd be happy if a friend worked for this person. They're great. Or it's like, ah, I like my friend too much. I wouldn't want my friend to be in that situation. So obviously during the job interview process, you are going to meet with current employees. You're going to have a chance to ask your own questions, which you should. So some of the questions that you could ask, what do you enjoy about working here? So try to find out what they like about working there and maybe what they don't like and see if you can get an honest answer. How do you feel about the workload and expectations? You know, what are you getting into? Is it reasonable? Are there clear expectations? What's it like working for this manager specifically? What is their management style? What is their communication style? How often do you meet with a manager? I've talked with people who 
meet with our manager once every few months. I talked with somebody who hadn't had a career discussion with their manager for over a year. It's really hard for you to get ahead in your career, to get promoted, to have a good experience, to grow and develop if your manager rarely meets with you. So if this is the kind of manager that's just too busy managing up, doing other things to take care of their team, it's not a good sign. How are decisions made at the company? How does the manager make decisions? How is conflict resolved? That's an important one. What happens if you disagree with the manager? How is that handled? Do they feel like the manager invests in them and the team? Do they feel supported? How is success measured? So how do you determine who gets rewarded? Who tends to get promoted? Is it because of performance? Or is it because of politics? Or is the loudest voice in the room the one who tends to get promoted? Ask them how they've grown at the company. And what does their future look like with the company? Do they see a career path? Are they going to stay? Find out what kind of person doesn't do well at the company. So there are probably people who've quit or been fired. What happened? Why? An important one. Does the manager protect the team? Do they shield you from other leaders? Because sometimes there are other terrible leaders in the company that will try to directly attack the team. (laughs) Does the manager shield you? Do they protect you from the higher-ups who are raining stuff down from above? That's a good manager if they do that. Ask what the biggest issues are that they're dealing with. So sometimes they won't say something directly negative about the manager or about what's going on, but if you ask about the issues, you start to uncover the reality. And then finally, a really important one, would they want to follow their manager to another company? Why or why not? What I have observed in my career is that people tend to follow good leaders. No one stays at companies for 20, 30 years anymore. So when a good leader leaves the company and goes somewhere else, do people follow them? That's a good leader. If no one follows that person, (laughs) that's a bit of a sign. If everybody says, I do not want to work for that person again, it's a bit of a red flag. So you're going to have an interview, hopefully, with your potential manager. Again, this is one of those red flags. If you don't get to talk to your actual manager, your potential manager, wow. I'm sorry. I just don't think it's a good opportunity. So I'm assuming you've already said no to things like that. So you're talking with your potential manager. They're asking you questions, and now you should be asking questions too. This is for you as much as it is for them. You should be asking, why is this position open? Is a new position or did somebody leave? So if somebody left, why did the last employee leave the company? Why did they quit? Why were they fired? It's kind of concerning. I've looked at some roles where you could see this was a leadership role, that they had replaced the leader probably every three to six months for the last two to three years. What is going on? (laughs) Why is there so much turnover? How does the manager make decisions? So you can ask, how do you make decisions? 
about the team and about the product, about the, you know, anything. And so you're trying to figure out what data do they use? Ask them, what do you do if an employee disagrees with you? How do you resolve that? So there's a lot of questions they will ask you. So why shouldn't you ask them? You will often get asked in an interview, what would your past boss say about you? Well, you can ask your potential manager very respectfully, what would your past employees say about you? You could ask, how do you invest in your employees in the team? And then trying to get some clarity around the role and how well your manager defines that. So this is a good thing to know. What are your expectations for me in this role? What does success look like? How will you measure success? Is it quantitative? Or is it just a gut check qualitative? Like, I'll know if you've done a good job or not. That makes me nervous. How do you prefer to communicate? How do you prefer to share information? How do you like to get updates? So do they want to have an email from you every day or a Slack chat message? Do they want to meet every week? You should ask, how often would we meet? Um, here are some red flags. So I, I can't capture them all. I'm just kind of running out of space as I run. This, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, but there are a lot of red flags. One is if you're talking with a manager and just from the conversation or what they're telling you about things, they seem to enjoy putting people in their place. And you can notice this with the way they treat people, treat other people in the interview, the way they talk about people. That's a red flag. And this sometimes comes from the information you've gleaned from the current employees and the past employees, right? They're not going to tell you this all the time. So if you hear they don't, they don't praise, they don't give positive feedback. They only give negative feedback, which they may say, Hey, it's constructive criticism, but do you want to work for a boss who never tells you when you're doing a good job? There's no positive feedback. It's all negative. Be careful if they talk negatively about the current employees on the team. And I've run into that where they've said things like, eh, the team's a little lazy. They're undisciplined. So you'll need to whip them into shape. That's not good. They speak negatively about their peers. So they have some kind of an internal battle going on with another, a different leader in a different team or about their higher ups. Uh, they're all idiots, but we've got it figured out. They brag about their ruthlessness and how it helped them get ahead in their career. And that sounds kind of ridiculous, right? But believe it or not, I have experienced this with more than one leader in my past where they, they literally were in a meeting bragging about how ruthless they were, about how they destroyed other people to get ahead and how they stole people's jobs. <laughs> It's like, uh, good for you. I don't want to work for you. If they talk negatively about past employees, and I've seen this too, you're being interviewed for a management position. They say, you know, the previous manager was kind of weak. That's why we got rid of him. So you better be strong. If they cut you off when you're speaking. You know, they're asking questions. You start to answer and they just cut you off or you try to ask a question, they cut you off. And that's, that's another red flag if they're very controlling of the interview flow. 
if they will not let you ask questions during the interview, if they keep cutting you off and say, save your questions till the end. It's like, well, forget this. This is a two-way street. You don't own me. I want to talk with you about what this role is about so I can ask my questions and be sure I want to work here. If they seem evasive when they're answering your questions or they're using defensive body language if you're on a Zoom call with them, you know, it's like, I don't think they're being honest about this. (laughs) If they don't behave respectfully during the interview, it's kind of a bad sign. You know, if someone's barely listening to you and they're reading email on their phone or they're talking with someone else, they get up and leave the room and keep leaving the room to take a call. And that ha- that's happened to me before. It's like, wow, if you, if they are not on their best behavior while they're interviewing you, guess what they're going to be like as a manager. Also, if they make negative comments about you, about your past experience, your employers, your degree or the school you went to. Again, who would do that? Well, a bad manager would. I've heard stories where they've said, literature degree, you that's useless. That seems kind of useless in this market. You, you couldn't study something better? <laughs> or making fun of your school. It's like, I don't want to work for this person. If they have unreasonable expectations for the role and what you can reasonably accomplish, So you'll be brought in, they'll say, hey, we're going to do a big redesign, and I want you to redesign the entire product in like five weeks. we got to get it out. we got to get it out in time for this big conference that's coming up. That's not a good sign. If they don't have a clear definition of what success is or how they're going to measure it, then you're, you're going to be evaluated based on their whims. If they tell you you should feel lucky if you get a chance to work there, like, wow, you'll be lucky to work here. You'll be lucky if we hire you. Well, no thanks. Strangely enough, here's one that you wouldn't expect, but they act way too friendly. So if they're way too positive, way too friendly, quick to try to hire you, trying to convince you that the job is perfect, the workplace is perfect, they're not realistic because it is a two-way street. So if it doesn't seem like they're trying to interview you or they're not making their own assessment, they're just trying to hire you as quickly as possible and try to make you feel like everything's perfect, that's a red flag. Something's wrong. If the current employees act nervous or artificially happy, so they're all, they've, they've drank the Kool-Aid, right? And it's like, oh boy, I love working here. It's perfect. You should join us. <laughs> it's like nothing's perfect. So if everybody's acting artificially excited and happy, That's a bad sign. If past employees, they just directly warn you. They're like, don't work for that person. You should trust them. Or if they say, I wouldn't work for that person again. If you hear that the manager tends to use fear and threats and intimidation to get things done. And I've worked for people like that. That's a horrible experience. No one likes to be threatened every day. And then finally, if the past employees seem afraid to answer your questions. So they're really nervous. They just want to make sure it's like, hey, if I tell you this, do not mention my name. Don't be very specific. They're worried. They're worried that this past boss could blackball them, could do something negative to them, even from beyond the walls of the company. And that's kind of scary. So it isn't always about the boss. Sometimes it's also about the work environment too, right? 
I tell people and my clients in particular that different people thrive in different environments. There isn't a one size fits all great company or a one size fits all employer that's best for everyone. You have to think about what type of company is the best fit for your next career move. Do you work better in a smaller company where you tend to know everyone, you know, like a company of 50 to 100 people? Or do you like a larger company? A big corporation has a lot of perks and retirement benefits and stuff, you know, pay for education and free food. Do you want more potential upside with the associated risk? So, you know, like a startup, or do you prefer a more stable company with minimal risk? And I will make this point. There is no such thing as no risk. I don't care how big the company is. I don't care how profitable the company is. Doesn't mean that your risk is zero. Layoffs in, I've been places where entire teams were laid off because the company changed its mind about a product. The company's doing just fine, but they decide, don't need that anymore. Everybody's gone. There's no such thing as zero risk. And do you care about how the company makes money? So there could be, does the company make money through advertising or is it through subscriptions or is it through direct sales? You know, how does the company make its money and do you care? So your answers to all these questions will help you define the ideal company. And you should define what does an ideal employer look like for me? And then you can compare opportunities to that ideal and say, how close is that? How close is the match to what I'm looking for? So the size of the company and maturity is something that you probably care about, or at least you should define. Do you want an early, mid, or late stage startup? Do you like startups? But how early? Do you like a seed stage? Do you want somebody who's farther along, like a Series D, and the company's making tons of money? But you still want to be pre-IPO. Some people like that. Do you want to work at a small company? You know, not a startup, but a small, profitable company, or more of a mid-sized company that has more resources. Or do you like larger companies or even massive corporations? Some people do. They love the huge companies and they like to be able to travel between the offices and have international travel. And I enjoyed some of that. eBay and Yahoo both were pretty big companies and I got to do a lot of international travel, which I enjoyed. That doesn't happen with a small company with only 20 people. <laughs> or do you prefer to work for more of an institution? You don't want to work for a corporation, a for-profit company. Maybe you want to work at a nonprofit. Maybe you want to work at a university. And you should also consider the following as part of defining this ideal employer. It's like, think about the organizational structure. Do you prefer a flatter organization with less chi- you know, job title inflation? Or do you like the hierarchy? Do you want to have a VP with directors, with managers, with you know, individual contributors? People like different types of organizations. So what are you getting into? Think about the organizational culture. And this is where doing the research helps and talking to people helps. Is it more informal or formal? Does it have more open and honest communication or is it more secretive? And some companies are very secretive. Is it a diverse company with a diverse culture or is it a monoculture? And I've talked about that. Think about the industry. Do you prefer to be in consumer software, hardware? Do you like enterprise? Do you want to be in education, fintech? Do you prefer the service industry? And then the business model. How does the employer make money? So some of the red flags, 
if the environment's described as it's fast-paced, it's high-pressure, it's competitive, or we work hard but we play hard, you get ready for some cutthroat behavior. <laughs> You're going to be competing with your coworkers. You're probably going to have poor work-life balance, long hours, and lots of stress. Similarly, if they tell you you're going to be joining a rocket ship, it's like, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be long hours. And they're telling you it's a rocket ship. You're going to get rich. If everyone has to wear multiple hats, it's common at a startup. You have to get used to that. But in a larger company, it's like, that means you're going to have four jobs, but only be paid for one. If they overly emphasize the perks, if they keep talking about the perks, it's like, wait a second. There's lots of free food, and we have really cool parties. It's like, is the job really that stressful? It's not that good that you're trying to entice me with all this free food? Um, if they lowball your compensation, you know, they keep talking about, hey, you're going to have a lot of earning potentials, but we're not going to start you out with a very good comp right now. Or they promise you, they promise you, you're going to get rich from the equity. There is no such thing as guaranteed you know, a guaranteed IPO. There's no such thing. So you should be concerned about that. If you're told, hey, we're all family. Everyone here is family. It's like, no, this is a job and we're coworkers. If the culture is a monoculture. So if you're jumping into something where it's like, wow, these are all MBAs from Stanford. That's a monoculture. And that's concerning that there isn't diversity at the company. If you look at the business model and it doesn't seem viable, it's like, I don't see how this is going to work or it doesn't seem sustainable. I don't think this is going to work for very long. <laughs> you should be concerned. And if you just don't like how the company makes money, you know, I've told myself, I don't ever want to work at a company again that makes money through advertising. I think it rewards the wrong kind of behavior. I think it incentivizes different types of things versus having a great product. I, I don't want to do it again. So you should think about these things. So in the end, I'm really just saying you should be intentional. Be very intentional. Finding your next job goes way beyond choosing a role and an employer. Way beyond that. You know, great compensation, a fancy job title, a prestigious company, they're just not enough to ensure your success and happiness. I wish it was that simple. But factoring in the dynamics of human relationships is really important. You can thrive in a great company culture or you could feel miserable every day in a toxic one. What do you choose? Likewise, you can watch your career success and personal fulfillment soar under a great leader, and it can. Or you could have your hopes dashed by working for a terrible manager. Which do you choose? Be very intentional when you choose your next boss. Your success, your health, and your well-being depend on it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you would like to follow upcoming releases of the show, please subscribe. And as always, I appreciate your ratings and reviews. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Invincible Career and the podcast, you can visit InvincibleCareer.com. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an opportunity magnet for the best things in life. <laughs>